0: Hello and welcome to Page Parlay. This is the show where we speak to authors or experts on creative writing. Today we're speaking to fantasy author J.V. Hilliard.
1: My name is J.V. Hilliard and I am a fantasy author. I write in epic fantasy and some dark fantasy. And uh, I have a a series of uh, fantasy adventure novels out right now called the Warminster series. Book one was released back in December of 2021. And the second one comes out here in September of 2022. So we're right on top of that. Uh, And the last uh, couple will come out right around the holidays and April of next year.
0: How did you begin writing on a professional level?
1: COVID happened. Uh, And I know that there's a bunch of COVID writers out there. I'm one of them. My day job was shut down for nearly a year. Uh, And so we started using things like Zoom and other tools to stay in touch with legislators and or the White House and my clients but there was very little travel and and subsequently i had a bunch of time on my hands and my wife wagged her finger at me and said you're not just going to sit around and do nothing so i ended up going into my den and, and wrote a manuscript of what i thought was something that had been rattling around in my head since i was 18 years old and i shared it with a uh professor friend of mine and she said you know if you put a little bit of elbow grease into this this is very publishable so i i found myself a you know a copy editor and a development editor during that downtime and we worked through what I thought was going to be a book, uh, and then when I found the right publisher, she said, "No, no, fantasy adventures are series; they're not standalones." So I'd be more than happy to move forward with this, but I I want to see a series. And so, you know, I basically took what I thought was was going to be my one loan venture into professional authorship, and turned it into now, you know, its own business. Uh, it's really kind of ramped up. Um, not just from a website or social media perspective, but going to conventions, going to bookstores, traveling for you know libraries and book signings and things like that.' It's its, its own self-contained business. Uh, and so I I started it back in you know 2020 and, and it's been rolling ever since.
0: What are conventions for you like in your capacity as an author?
1: It depends on what conventions I'm going to. Mm -hmm. Uh, if I go to my traditional, like geekathons and nerdathons, like folks that read sci-fi fantasy, um, you're running into folks that are in cosplay or LARPers. You run into other authors and, and a lot of artists you run into, um, you know, people that you would find in Hollywood that are there as the, as the headliners, but mostly you're there to interact with your readers and, or folks that can become your readers uh, and so, you know, I find myself going to things uh, that are like Comic-Cons um, and or, you know, things that are retro cons, things that that really kind of gravitate to anything that's related to fantasy adventure and or sci-fi in particular. Those kind of readers, even though I'm not writing in sci-fi, they're my kind of readers. Uh, so they'll gravitate over to to the fantasy adventure side. Uh, and then you know you ultimately, uh, oftentimes, will will look for folks that that can help you. I found a number of folks at these conventions that are doing my artwork. Um, you know, I have I found folks that are doing fan fiction. I didn't even know I had fan fiction, and until someone sent me, you know, copies of of uh, stuff that they had, you know, perceived in their own own head of what my characters looked like, and they sent them to me, and so I pushed them through my social media uh, channels and stuff. It's a lot of fun. Uh, uh, and so some of it is pure business and and parts of it are, are entertainment, really.
0: It's wonderful that you're able to meet with your community like that. You mentioned in your last question being supported by your, your partner uh, and your friends. What does support from family and friends look like to you?
1: It really is twofold. Uh, you know, at its core, this is just like starting any other kind of business. And I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I've owned about four or five different companies over the course of my professional career uh, and you need that kind of support at home. And my wife's always been open-minded uh, to being there and allowing me to work the hours that I need to work uh, and do things that I need to do to be not only successful for us, but successful for the businesses that that we own. Uh, and then there's the other side of it, which is really family and friends and or folks that uh, you know are supportive, not just because they're reading it because they know me, uh, but because they're truly you know a group of of, of real beta readers. Uh, a lot of the folks and the stuff that I write because of the 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 nature of it uh, being sort of fantasy adventure, it comes from years of playing tabletop role playing games and, and namely, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and, you know, Robotech and Star Wars, Star Trek, that kind of stuff. And so some of the characters that I memorialized in the books are their characters, you know, or some of the plot lines in the books really come from the arcs of the campaigns that we've played through. And most of those folks are also creatives you know, they might have day jobs just like I do. Uh, but, you know, some of them, you know, you can bounce ideas off of, they can pre read things to make sure they make sense. Before I send it even on to my copy or development editors to take a look at. So, you know, that's, that's the second part of this is that they're, they're as much of a part of this process as I am in many respects. And they've helped me to help plot line through uh, some of the, the the major parts of, of any of, of, of my novels.
0: Absolutely fantastic. It sounds like you've got a real core sport network around you. That's lovely. The fantasy genre, that's the one you're working in right now. What drew you to it? Uh, you mentioned that you have come from a D&D background, uh, but was, is that—is fantasy something you've always been drawn to or did that come to you later in life?
1: It came to me in the fourth grade. Uh, I, I had an English teacher that had to take a medical sabbatical. In the last month of our classes, we had a substitute teacher and somehow, some way, got permission to read us the the hobbit and lord of the rings uh and so it was old school we sat around it was almost like a campfire reading and i fell in love uh with tolkien and the concept of you know fantasy at the time and so that christmas i i asked my uncle Um, you know, if he can get me a copy of of The Hobbit for my Christmas present. And he also got me my first set of, it was a box set of Dungeons and Dragons. That started me down the path of of being sort of a lifelong lover of fantasy and adventure in in all of its forms. You know, and ever since then, you you go down different paths. I mean, fantasy is a pretty wide genre. uh, And you can find things that fall into speculative fiction, dark fantasy, epic fantasy, high fantasy, sword and sorcery. All these things. And so whether you're a lover of Conan the Barbarian or whether you're a lover of Game of Thrones, somewhere in the middle are fans like that read my stuff and and authors that write my stuff. And so for me, you know, it's always it it, it was that point. I can pinpoint it to that. T- I didn't even know what it was until then. Yeah, you know, you know, because you're just young and you're you're not experienced, you don't know what that is, and that led into reading Harry Potter, and it led, you know, read, you know, and when I got into high school and some of the, you know, college stuff, you, know, Donaldson and Asimov, and and all of the, just you could go on for years and live someone else's life through their book, just for that moment in time, and it just I think that kind of stuff opens your mind to what you can do as an author, and and I've tried to weave some of those lessons into my my own novels.
0: It seems like such a core part of the human experience to, as a young person be read to or told from, say, oral tradition. Then as you get older, you either create or perpetuate these stories you read to other people, you create with other people. That's such a wonderful part of being human. I really love that.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And it it really is goes hand in hand with the kind of stuff that I like to write. I mean a lot of the creatures that fantasy adventure authors write about come from that sort of folklore or cryptid cryptozoology kind of tales. Uh, and they, they just take their own spin on it and you know and make a novel or a set of novels out of them.
0: We don't exist in a vacuum and we don't create in a vacuum. We create with our culture, with the cultures that we're lucky enough to encounter and learn from uh, and our friends and family. Do you think that people can create a richer tapestry for their stories if they allow themselves to be influenced by those around
1: them? Absolutely. You know, I'm a perfect example of that. Life experience changes that, right? You know, so, you know, my wife and I went on our honeymoon to a couple of castles in Scotland and we visited Neuschwanstein Castle in, in Munich. And the castle throne helm in my novel came from some of those travels. You know, you learn... Uh, by seeing how they're they're truly laid out and you can read about them, but until you experience them or um, I mentioned earlier, you know, my Dungeons and Dragons playing, you know, 20 years of playing a role playing game gives you some really cool story arc ideas, you know, especially if you have a great cast of friends and family that are playing with you, which I do. And so, you know, you mentioned before sort of weaving in a greater tapestry of creativity. Some of the ideas that are in my novels are not mine. They came from players or dungeon masters or friends that were part of it that said, our characters should do this. The party should do that as part of gameplay. um, And it's stuff that I might've not have thought of, but it was so classic. You remember it. And, And sometimes I get caught up, you know, it, holiday parties or you know kids birthday parties you're sitting there and you're talking to your friends as if that actually happened like the the gameplay was a life experience that you you shared this group delusion that you had and and to be able to take that and memorialize that into a set of novels i think is exactly what you just described it's a cultural creativity it's something that would not be there if it weren't for my experiences
0: could you tell us a little bit about your writing process, the nitty gritty?
1: My writing process is very extreme. I have obsessive compulsive disorder. And I'm not talking about the OCD that people mention offhand uh, when they're clean or they're organized. I'm talking about serious OCD. And uh, if you if you learn to live with it, it becomes an asset in many respects. And so I am not a pantser. You know, in my business, there are typically two types of authors. There are the plotters like me, the planners, and or there are pantsers, people that fly by the seat of their pants, and they can sit down and write and just give them an idea. And they are three chapters into it. I can't do that. I am the opposite of a pantser. I literally have to plan everything. And if you give me a plot, or if I could, if I have time to create a plot, and I know the end, I can write toward that end. In fact, my writing process, I write backwards, So I literally will have a whiteboard that's, you know, two whiteboards long and it has this, you know, just plot line after intersect after character to wherever. And then as I write it into the novel, I erase it from the board. So I don't forget anything. Uh, And I always tease people that there's no empty real estate in my novels because if it's in there, it's in there for a reason. It might not be in there for book one, but you'll pick up on it in book three. So there's a lot of details in that. And in order to do that, I typically start at the end and then start writing backwards to make sure that I've captured everything that I need to capture as part of that. But for me, fortunately, and unfortunately, I, it's just an OCD thing. Like I need to know that I've covered all the bases or else I I can't, I, I literally will freeze up, you know? So for, for me, that that's how I write. I know not everybody can write that way. And some people could just sit down and, and, and write ahead, but I feel like for me to have a well-rounded novel that's going to be organized and and at the end present the the ending that you want. Um, that's the way it works for me. And so I, I plan it, then I write it backwards.
0: Thank you for mentioning that you have OCD, because I think it is important for people to hear other people that are have successful lives also struggle and succeed. It with their mental health makeup so thank you very much for sharing that oh, with.
1: my pleasure I try to be as open with that and transparent as I can because you know it I know for for some that you know they tease about it sometimes they don't really know what it's like to be either a really big O or a really big C uh you know and you know so sometimes you, you just lose sleep and you know this helps me focus my energy and if you just you know there's certain exercises and things you do that keep you centered. Uh, and realize that when you, when you notice that something's happening, that it's, it's okay, because it's, it's, you know, and you just, you, you tip yourself off mm-hmm. and stop yourself, but it's something that I've been able to, to, to live with. And I try to put it in these terms. It makes you a perfectionist you know? <laughs> and I'm being diplomatic, with that, but it's true. I mean, it, it makes you be a perfectionist and, and every little flaw you notice, and it will bother you to the point, or at least it bothers me to that point. But I, I think that you know, I'm more than happy to share that story with anybody, especially those that, you know, this might be an outlet for them and something they can use as a tool. And, and if they can master this, they can master other things in their lives.
0: Exactly. And it's very important to see people succeeding and know that, A, you're not alone. And right. B, that you can you have productive and value-filled lives. So I think that is a really important thing for people to know.
1: Yeah, there are ways to master it.
0: Exactly. You, as you mentioned at the top of this uh this interview, have another book coming out. So would you mind telling us a little bit about your latest one?
1: Yeah, sure. So it's it's the second in the saga. Uh it's going to be called Borden's Lair and it's a follow-up to The Last Keeper. Uh and in this novel, uh the party that's been gathered uh to fight the the big bad evil guy uh leaves the city of Castleshire on its way to Abacus to find answers. To some of the riddles that they weren't able to solve in, in book one, uh, and in doing so are pursued by an evil cryptid monster uh, that is seeking Damus, who is the main character in the novels, uh, sort of chasing him down. Uh, and so they race from Castleshire to Abacus, and, you know, there's harrowing adventure uh, that that's mixed in there and in and, and the city of abacus i find is one of them that's that's got to be one of the most fun things i've had a chance to write because w- i mentioned before i do like sci-fi but i write in fantasy and what i found is that in many fantasy novels or fantasy series there seems to be very little cultural advancement like, even if you look at some of the more popular ones, like Tolkien, for example, those cultures were around for thousands of years and they're still riding horses, right? Or, you know, Jon Snow on the wall, it, you know, he was the 999th whatever it was on the wall, and they're still using swords and shields. Uh, and so for me, I've created this scholar city, the city of Abacus, which allows me to play into a little bit of sci-fi, which I think sci-fi readers will enjoy while also not going too far into it, you know, and stealing away from the trope of sort of like a medieval society. Um, So Abacus is a place of invention, you know, and it's a place of free thought and open thinking. It's a scholar city. uh, And so folks go there to learn to master their crafts. You know, I kind of look at it as sort of the James Bond cue of, of my novels, where Little itty-bitty inventions that come from there are used to help the good guys beat the bad guys in the other novels. It fulfills the side of me that is a Star Wars, Star Trek lover, while also staying true to the the fantasy adventure tropes.
0: You've touched on the fact that you do think in terms of uh, business. So how do you bring your business management mindset to the production of your books? And do you think melding these two fields, do you think they enhance each other?
1: I'll take those in the opposite order. They absolutely do. I have a traditional publisher relationship, but if if there are indie authors that are listening, they are basically their own encapsulated business. They might not recognize it like that. In many instances, authors have a tendency to think more like artists as opposed to business people. You know, but if you think of it in terms of your your own brand and your books are your products, and you need to market them to be successful. Uh, and even though I I know sometimes that may not be popular among my kind, uh, and you just hope to kind of put it out there in the universe and people will eventually gravitate to it, and you don't care if one person reads it or a million people read it, where well, you really do, you know, they, they they may not say that or admit that, but in truth, they really do. You want as many people to read your stuff, even if they don't like it, uh, and give you constructive criticism on it as you can. Um, so if you look at it in in those terms and you invest in it the same way you would invest in a business, and sometimes that's not money, that could just be time. You can develop the right kind of website. You can have the right kind of social media presence. You can do what I do, which is push the envelope and go to libraries, even though you might only get three or four people to show up there. Uh, you hope that the next time you go, there's going to be 10, right? And you start to build, you know, that core audience. And in my case, a readership. That will follow you, be loyal to the characters, and then develop that out. I think that those business principles that I've learned over the last twenty years of being in business for myself can be employed for anybody that's self-publishing, or even someone like me that has a traditional publisher. She's a very small house. I mean, Dragon Moon Press. It's it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a small publishing house for things that are fantasy adventure oriented. You know, she doesn't have the resources of some of the big six publishing houses out there, so me reaching out and setting up interviews like this you know this will help promote my series and the brand uh, as well as helping you with content and and hopefully you know something that someone's gonna watch and listen to uh but you know my hope is that you know folks that are out there um that are struggling and trying to find people to do reviews for them you know you just have to put the elbow grease into it and and really kind of find a way to to get out there and and don't be embarrassed if you only have a couple people show up Uh, For things, that's okay because that will grow over time. I look at it as saying, you know, the Beatles or the Stones, they didn't open Wembley on their own first day. You know, they were working in the, you know, in the CD bars as the opening band for somebody at one point and they got a following. And that just takes time. So you have to look at it as sort of a long game uh, and just saying, hey, you know, this is book one for me. By book two, I want to double my readership. In book three, I want to triple my readership or quintuple my readership by the end. And then that's when it sort of takes on a life of its own. At least that's the the hope.
0: Do you have any advice for aspiring authors of any age?
1: Make a habit out of writing. Uh, What I have found is writing needs muscle memory. So like the days that I don't go to the gym, I feel guilty because I'm not there because my body's telling me I should be going to the gym. Uh, But if you'd stay away from the gym long enough, you don't feel that feeling anymore you know, your body gets used to that. And the same thing holds true for writing. I think that if you write something every day, even if it's a paragraph, uh, or you're outlining a future project, or you're going through and rereading your stuff and editing, that will open up the door to the the habit. And then you'll miss it. You know, I, when I'm on vacation, or you're on a holiday, or you know there, there's there's something going on you're not doing anything you you feel bad you're like oh I feel guilty when I don't when I don't write because you know I've made it sort of that habit and and the other side of it too is uh you've got to be open to constructive criticism the first manuscript I put together I thought was great you know and by the time it went through my professor friend a writing class a bunch of beta readers that are just my friends, a copy editor, a development editor, a second development editor, <laughs> then my publisher, the book had markedly changed, but it, beca- it became better because of that input. And if I hadn't listened to them and just said, you know, what I have on paper is the best I can do and put it out there into the world, I wouldn't have the product that I that I have today. And so you, you need to be open to that and understand you're not always going to get the best feedback. Uh, but, you know, Still, you need to listen to it because somewhere in there, there's a nugget. And I'll give you one example of one. I got a two-star review one time on Amazon. The woman who wrote the review said, I wanted to love this book. I bought it because of the cover. I started reading. I couldn't get past 50 pages. It just wasn't for me. Did not finish. And the Joe that would have started a year ago would have been upset with that. You know, the Joe now says, hey, the cover did its job. She picked it up off of a bookshelf and it's sold, right? So, hey, the cover did well. So, But it also tells me that not everything is for everybody.
0: On that note of picking up books, if people would like to hear more from you, where can they go?
1: Sure. I am pretty easy to find. Uh, so if you go to d.com you'll find my website uh also you can find me at dragonmoonpress.com and my books whether you like uh, paperbacks audio ebooks they're all available pretty ubiquitously you can find them on places like amazon apple books barnes and noble my social media accounts are at jv hilliard books so if you're on tiktok instagram twitter you'll find me there or on facebook i'm just jv hilliard
0: well thank you so much for coming to speak to us today. This has been a fantastic conversation.
1: I want to thank everybody for for listening. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time.
0: Thank you so much for listening. You can hear more from JV on his website and social media. I'll leave a link in the description. If you want to suggest or submit a short story or a subject that you'd like us to cover, then contact us through our Facebook page or Twitter and subscribe if you'd like to hear more. This has been a Yorick Radio production.